Well, my name is Daniel Budd. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy for me to uh, be together in this weekend with you and to continue and basically wrap up our journey. We started with Easter, and we had a sermon series called Life After Easter. But because it's the Memorial Day weekend, I would like you to uh, just give thanks to our heroes and watch with me this uh, little thanks. Well, we give you thanks for all those of you who uh, have family ones and uh, you prayed for them or those of you who served and are veterans. So thank you for your sacrifice and service. We honor your courage and your commitment to the freedom and liberties that we enjoy. Like I said, this morning we continue our sermon series called Life After Easter. And uh, we basically look at learning to live in the power of Jesus. Once Jesus resurrected, he has this power that he offers to us. It's a power that we can tap into as his followers, and he wants us to do that. I remember uh, that uh, if you have been to any one of the previous, you know, Pastor Ron talked about in the previous sermons about putting on things and thinking of the old things, uh, learning a new way of life. And I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, that idea that Paul basically says in this gospel that once we are in Christ Jesus, once we accept his sacrifice, we step into a new life and we walk into this new life. I remember a few years ago when my kids were pretty little, we lived into an apartment and one day they came home and they said, we want to go and play with our friends in such and such a place. And we said, okay. We looked outside, it was pretty rainy and wet, and we said, well, maybe you needed this kind of clothes. We were kind of reluctant to let them go with their friends, but we still said, okay, you can go. And they went with their friends and played, and after maybe a couple of hours, we heard the knock at the door. And usually they would just come back home, you know, and just open the door. It was easy for them, although they were little. But they knock at the door, so we opened the door, and we look at them. And, uh, of course, outside was potholes and everything else, and when they all soaked, and covered in mud. I don't know how, but they were all covered in mud. And the two of them, they were giggling and being looking at one another. They were just laughing at how they look. And we looked at them. We couldn't believe what they did. And I said, where did you find this mud and water? And how can you be so, so wet? And everything was dripping. And uh, we pulled them in the house. Right there in front of the door, there was a little square. We didn't have carpet on. And we stopped with them right there. And we stripped them off the clothes right there, everything off. My wife went to the bathroom and she prepared the, the bathtub because they were in such, uh, uh, they were really, they needed to take their clothes off to be washed and put on new clothes. 
Now, the same thing Paul does with us. In this text, he says, Christ Jesus, in Colossians 3, he walks with us. He works with us. And Christ Jesus looks at us, and we are dirty. There is nobody clean. There is nobody that comes to him with clean clothes, with wet, with dry clothes. All of us are wet. All of us are dripping with misery. All of us are covered in sin. And all of us are filled with brokenness and with corruption. And Christ comes to us and he says, I want you to have new clothes. I want you to be clean. And that's what he does. In this text in Colossians, he explains to us what he's going to do to every follower, every disciple, every Christian. Taking off the old clothes, the old lifestyle, and putting off on the new life, the new clothes, the new lifestyle. Maybe you remember what Pastor Ron preached about, these topics. We started with saying, you know, first of all, you have to set your hearts in the right place. Second, we said, you have to set your minds. You have to think at the things that God, at the things above, at the things that matter. And then he said, you know, one Sunday, put to death, take off the old ways and make sure that you dress up and you put on and you clothe yourselves with the new ways of life. And then last Sunday, he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts for you have been called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And finally, this Sunday, we say, the last one, Paul says, do everything in the name of Jesus. Do everything in the name of Jesus. I'm sure that most of you remember the text if you are here, the sermons. But let me just one more time read this text, Colossians 3, 1 to 17. And I'm going to read from the message version. So just follow with me. So Paul says, if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ... Act like it. Act like it. Pursue the things which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators or to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of things that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper... Irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You are done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you stripped off and put in the fire. 
Now you are dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in a wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, contend with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts to God. And now the text for today. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. It's no wonder when we put something new, when we put a uniform, we behave in a different way. And that's what God wants us. If you think of the soldiers, once somebody puts on the uniform, they have to dress and then to behave according to the code that their uniform symbolizes. If you are a person in a uniform of, a, let's say, a teacher, then you behave according to the code of the teacher. If you are a nurse... If you are a doctor, you behave in a certain way. If you are working here in our church expansion, you have to have a hard hat. And you have to have a certain kind of clothes so that you protect yourself. And then you behave according to that code. And the same thing for us. God wants us, once we become his children, to behave in a certain way. Now, Paul is talking about clothing here. And in the Jewish, it's interesting, in the Jewish tradition... Both in the beginning of somebody's life, when somebody was a child, and this is Mary presenting Jesus in the old day, you see, they use linen cloths, these strips of linen, to wrap the kids around. But also the same linen cloths they use at the end of somebody's life to wrap them, like Jesus was wrapped and Lazarus was wrapped in the tomb. The same thing of linen cloths. And these linen cloths, they discover, scientists discover this nice mosaic of two kids playing and you can see how their clothes is strips of linen uh, sewn together to make a cloth. And what archaeologists discovered more recently was a cloth of a child, a piece of cloth of a child. And it looks like this, and you can see the strips of linen. And Paul said, each one of these strips is something. When you put on Christ, when you want to represent Christ, you have a certain uniform and you have a certain, certain way of behaving. And it's compassion. It's compassion. One of these strips is compassion, says Paul. And the other one is kindness. 
How many times you went home and you said, you know what? I was able to be kind in the church, but now I lost my kindness. Because it's not easy to be all the time kind. But Paul says, make sure you remind yourself to be constantly kind. Then we have humility. Humility is not easy to obtain. It's a quality that the world despises and thinks that people that are humble are weak. But Paul immediately says, make sure that you remember quiet strength. Quiet strength. And finally, patience, he says. You remember patience? How many times we are ill-tempered, right? Irritated. We lose our temper. And Paul says, if you want to, to be like Christ, make sure you forgive like Christ. You forgive one another. We have so many reasons. And says, on top of all of these things, once you forgive and everything else, make sure you put on love because it binds perfectly all of these things together. Love is almost like that belt. And then you pull off and everything pulls together perfectly. And you look like a well-dressed person that follows Christ. And basically that's the message today in our verse. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I would like us to see several things in this verse. First, that it says, whatever you do in word or indeed, and the New Testament does not contain a code of rules. It doesn't say, okay, you have five rules. You know, like in other religions you have in Islam, the five rules, the five pillars, or other things like that. In the uh, New Testament, basically, Paul has a lot of lists with virtues and vices. And he says, if you are in Christ, you have abandoned the vices. And now they become this transform. You become a new person and you have these new habits, new, new, new virtues in Christ. And that's why he says... But always we have the mind, to, to have the mind of Christ, he says, think of these things. You know, if you are in a situation, you cannot go back to the code because the code might not apply, but you can always say, what is the Christian thing to do here? I am in this situation and I want to think like Christ, to have his mind, to be able to process any situation. Or you can say, can I do or can I say this without compromising my faith? Can I act in this way without going contrary to what I profess. You see, um, it is both in deed and in word, says Paul. You know, and, and you have to make sure that your words and your actions reflect who Christ is. You cannot do anything that basically will dishonor Him. In everything that you do, he says, make sure... Make sure that you do it in the name of Christ. In other places it says, make sure that everything that you do, word or deed, you do it for the glory of Christ. So what if you say, well, can I do something that glorifies myself? Christ says, no. No, you have to make sure that you fight for the reputation, the reputation of Jesus. And I like how in the Jewish tradition, they always thought, they always thought that our lives are fully in the presence of God. It's not like we only come on Sunday and we have a Sunday language, but then from Monday to Saturday, we have a different weekly language. In the Jewish thought, they said, Lord, if I follow you, I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, if you are a candle for my steps on my path, then you are a candle all the days, not only Sundays. We cannot have a Sunday vocabulary. We cannot have Sunday actions, but then Tuesday vocabulary, Wednesday actions, Saturday night actions that are totally contrary to what we say on Sunday morning. 
And that's what Paul says. You know, make sure that you are constant. That there is no split between these two things. And uh, for example, you know, if you say, well, what can I do and what can I do? Like I said, you know, you just ask yourself. But make sure that you know this. For example, we have some, we have some common sense principles of our Christian living. To drink a glass of wine is not a sin, we say. But to get drunk, it's a sin. To go out and hang out with friends and have fun is not a sin. But Paul says to use dirty talk, profanity, is a sin. And Paul says, you know, the same thing. The Bible says you can have fun and you can have fun in life. But make sure, for example, if you have a girlfriend, it's not a sin. But if you sleep with her, then it's a sin. So our Christian life is guarded by some sort of an inner compass that we absorb when we absorb Christ. Because we want to honor and we want to do everything in His name. In other words, when I do an act and when you do an act, we put a stamp on it. And we say, in the name of Jesus or from Jesus with love. Now when you think of saying something to your spouse... Again, you know, can you say, okay, I, honey, I told you this. In the name of Jesus, we love. <laughs> Maybe that will make you think twice before you say it, right? But that's what Jesus wants us to think. To think like him, to, to, to process like him. Because the name of Jesus is very important. In the Old Testament, especially in the tradition, the names were very important. Today, maybe, you know, you just differentiate. Oh, you are from a German tradition. You are from a Dutch tradition. But after a few generations, you are Americans and stuff like that. But the name in the ancient cultures, it represented a lot, of, a lot of things. And it was very important. And often God, when he met a person, when he interacted with a person, he changed the name of the person. Let me just give you one example. Remember the wife of Abraham. She was Sarai, which means my princess. And indeed, she was a princess to Abraham. But God said, from now on, your name will be Sarah, which is the mother of of nations. And that's what God does to you and to me. When we become Christians, He says, you know, from now on, you will bear my name. What are we called? We are called Christians. And Christians bear the name of Christ. That's why it's Christ and then I-A-N. Christian. Three times in the Bible we have the word Christian. And most of those times are look uh, kind of, it's, it's not a good, a positive reference. And today, many people, just because they are called themselves, they, are, they bear the name of Christ, they are persecuted. Just a few days ago, remember, a school bus was being shot at, and kids have died because they were bearing the name Christian of Christ. So it's offered about, in that name, is we identify ourselves with Christ. He identifies himself with us, and therefore, the world, usually, Christ said, just as they hated me, they will hate you. Just as they persecuted me and the prophets, they will persecute you. But Christ says, blessed are you when people persecute you because there is a reward. Your reward is great in heaven. And it's not only identification, but it's also identification. is authority. What did we pray in our prayers, usually? Father, we pray all these things in the name, in the authority the name of Christ bears the authority of Christ. And these things we ask, we say in Jesus' name. 
It's that authority of the name that makes it. We do not go to God the Father in our own name. We go in the authority of Christ. That's why even when we pray, we claim His power. You know, a person's name is written on the check. And unless the name is there, right, the check is not valid. If you think about politics, a president's signature on a bill makes the bill a law. Unless the name of the president is not there in our country, it's not there. So the name is very important. Now, often we build, we build a reputation, a name for ourselves, we say, right? And it can be a career. It can be something that we accomplish for society, a service. But it's also a family name. And the truth is that in just a few minutes, a person can disgrace a family's name that took generations to build. I remember I grew up in Romania, and it was so easy to ruin your family's name. And in some cultures, in some cultures, if a girl or somebody dishonors the name of the family for a thing that for us will be a minor thing, just because you want to change from Islam to Christianity, they will say, we have the right to put you to death. And a lot of Christians, they pay a steep price for just changing from one faith to follow Christ. The name that we have is very important. The name and the reputation of our family. But you see, a lot of the discussion here in Jesus' name, it's about the motivation, the intention. We say, why? Why do we have to do these things? What is the reason and the motivation behind this thing? And the motivation is that there is nothing else to rely on. We have only one thing that is solid and reliable in the world, and that is Christ. And Christ has the centrality in our lives. You see, in this text, it's not about us doing something, but it's about us joining in what Christ has done for us. He not only died for us, but He gave us His peace. That's why He says, make sure that the peace of Christ rules in your hearts and among you, because all of you have been called to Christ and to His peace. Make sure that the Word of Christ dwells richly among you, in your hearts, between you, surrounding you, that you are steeped into that Word. It is not about us doing things, but it's about God's Word working life in us. And then it says, make sure that you remember to forgive one another as quickly and as completely as God has forgave you. There is no reason to be bitter and to keep resentments in our hearts because we go to the Father and we say, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Just as we forgive the others, we say, forgive us, Lord. And finally, we say, all of these things, we do it in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christ. There is no other name, the Bible says, in which we can be saved. There is no other name. There is no other mediator between us and God. There is no other things. And I like how Paul also says later on in the same book, he says, Christ is in all and is. Christ is all and is in all. In the message translation, the same verse it says, From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. 
Everyone is included in Christ. There is no other place to be for a Christian than in Christ. There is no other definition for us than to be in Christ. There is no other place where we exist than in Christ. And Paul says this is a mystery, and it is a mystery. And it was a mystery for the Old Testament people. And Paul says now this mystery was revealed because Christ lives in us. And He is, by being in us, He is the hope of glory. We have this hope of glory because Christ lives in us. So the question for us is, how then shall we live? How do we live like this? How do we live with all of these things? How do we live with a new life? And one thing I will say is that Paul says, basically, when you are a new person, you, knew, you, you must learn new habits, habits of life. And me and you, doesn't matter how old we are in our following of Christ, we need to continue to work on our new habits. New habits of the new life. And it doesn't come to us overnight. It's not like we flip a, a switch and suddenly we become people that walk with Christ in all aspects of our life. That's why even the vision of our church, we say we build, we are seeking to, to make the kingdom of God visible. Continually seeking to make the, God in the kingdom of God visible in all aspects of our lives. I mean, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to make the kingdom, Christ, visible in all aspects of our lives. Later on in chapter 4, Paul says in the same book, he says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Now this is Paul talking about us. We're in Christ. The outsiders looking at us. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's not about being actively engaged in evangelism or in outreach. It's being weirdly different than the world. Surprising the world by our new life so that they will come and they will ask us questions. And everybody loves that verse because it's so, in a way, passive. You just live life with Christ. And people come and ask, what are you doing? Where is your hope when somebody dies in your family? When the country is so divided, how do you make peace with your neighbor or in your family? Maybe you voted with this and they are arguing for this. And I want you to uh, just, um, you know, you can use a lot of resources. But one of the resources that I will just recommend this morning is... This little book by uh, Frost is called Surprise the World. And it talks about five habits, five habits that we can practice as missionary people. Now, it just happens that I also included this and I say, you know, this is going to take a long time. It's not going to take just a week. It's not going to take just a month for us. And sometimes it's better if we spend more than one summer. But definitely it's good for us to start being intentional about growing our habits. Some of us already have these habits. Some of us have two or three of them, like, natural, instinctual. But a lot of us, I think, including myself, we still have to work intentionally at them. So briefly, let me just remind you this. It says BELLS. That's the acronym, right? First is BLESS. Bless three people this week, at least one of whom is not a member of your church or of your family or of your bubble. Okay, we all live in the bubble. So bless somebody. And you can bless by writing a text, writing an email, writing a letter, making a phone call, just smiling to them and saying, I'm so glad God placed you in my life. 
there's, there are many ways in which you can bless somebody. Maybe, maybe bless them by just doing an action for them and babysit their kids for a night. You bless them like that. Then it says E, and E comes from eat with three people this week. We have about 21 meals a week. Eat with three people this week, three meals, at least one of whom is not a member of your bubble again. And you'll discover that is a natural way of making new friends. I like, like when we had the persecution Friday night, when we had the persecution church, there were some people here from, from Syrian background and Lebanese and stuff. And I like when one couple in our church went to them and they wanted their contact information. I was so happy. Basically, they wanted to say, you know what? We, we need to talk to Syrian Christians, to people that are different. Can you talk to us more? Eat. Listen, the L. Listen to the Spirit's voice. And then listen to the Spirit's voice is basically done in several things. But one of the things here is set aside a designated time for God with no distraction. Make sure that you give time to the Spirit to talk to you. And then make sure that you let God in. And finally, that you follow what God prompts you to do. Many times God will bring to you when you pray, when you meditate, a face or a name. And it can be somebody that is mentioned in our bulletin that needs a visit, somebody that is battling an illness or something, somebody that needs an encouragement. Follow those promptings and do it. That's listen. And the next L is learn from Christ. Study the Gospels weekly. Study the Gospels weekly because the Gospel talk about the life of Christ who blessed people, who ate with people, who followed the Holy Spirit and was full of the Holy Spirit. And Christ also said, I am going to teach you all things. And it's not necessarily that you need to start a new Bible study, but join the existing studies like Women in the Word, Men's Group, or a care circle that study God's Word. You know, just, just join something that is already existing in our church. That's fine too. And the final S is sent. Sent on a mission. Make sure that you are journaling. Now, some of you are opposed to this, but it will help us to journal. Because we will, by journaling, even if you don't do much, we will scribble like a doctor, like Ron said, that he writes like a doctor, right? But it's okay if you write and only you understand. And maybe you just scribble some things for yourself so that you can see the progress that you do. And not only that, but by journaling, you understand how you are on a mission. Sometimes you talk about a reconciliation. It can be somebody and in your work and they are fighting. Maybe a political fight. Maybe a work-related fight. And you step in and you say, you know, I'm a messenger of reconciliation. Even if I don't talk to you about Christ. Let me just tell you. You know, we should accept each other's opinions. We shouldn't fight. Maybe you don't want to talk about justice. There are so many just causes that you can be involved. Like sex trafficking. Just pick a cause. And you can say, well, this is my way of of being on a mission. Or maybe you say, I'm just a person that loves beauty and I will walk, I will hike with anybody, I will see somebody's work of art or just let them see the beauty in the face of their family members, on neighbors, in the street, in the landscape. And finally, talk about wholeness. If you are a teacher, you say, I'm going to go to school and respect and honor my subject and the students. If you are a nurse or a doctor, or any, in any other place, you say, I'm going to work with people and I'm going to honor them. So besides just encouraging you to, uh, to practice this, I also um, invite you, those of you who really want to keep an accountability, to be accountable to somebody or to one another, to, uh, to sign up. And both in the bulletin and in the Inside Hillside, I put my contact information. And you say, I want to be part of that group. 
The book is really small. Don't worry about the book. It's about the practice. And we will take as long as it takes. It might take us six months or 12 months. But we will slowly make sure that from time to time, maybe twice a month or so, we will keep each other accountable of doing these practices and habits and learning them. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks that Jesus Christ calls us to a holy life. We give you thanks for his power. We give you thanks that we, we are gathered here in his name. And every time when we gather in his name, he is present. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you will help us to not only be here in the presence of Christ, but as we go from here, today, tomorrow, Tuesday until the next Sunday, may we do all things, everything that we do, in the name of Jesus, bringing glory and thanksgiving to God the Father through Christ Jesus, because we want to live in his presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.